0: Welcome to the World Beyond the tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 121. I didn't stop till I got to the next town, and I saw Old Monkey there. You lookin' mighty fine, Anansi, said Old Monkey. I said to him, you know what they all singin' in town over there? What are they singin', he asks me. They singin' the funniest song, I told him, and then I did a dance and I sings, Tiger's balls, yeah, I ate tiger's balls. Now ain't nobody gonna stop me ever at all. Nobody put me up against the big black wall, cause I ate that tiger's testimonials. I ate tiger's balls. Old monkey, he laughs fit to burst, holding his side and shaking and stamping. Then he starts singing, tiger's balls, I ate tiger's balls. Snapping his fingers, spinning around on his two feet. That's a fine song, he says. I'm gonna sing it to all my friends. You do that, I tell him. And I head back to the watering hole. There's Tiger down by the watering hole walking up and down, with his tail switchin' and swishin', and his ears and the fur on his neck up as far as they can go, and he's snappin' at every insect that comes by with his huge old saber teeth, and his eyes flashing orange fire. He looks mean and scary and big, but dangling between his legs there's the littlest balls and the littlest, blackest, most wrinkledly ballsack you ever did see. "'Hey, Anansi,' he says when he sees me, "'you were supposed to be guarding my balls while I went swimming. "'But when I got out of the swimming hole, "'there was nothing on the side of the bank "'but these little black shriveled-up good-for-nothing spider balls I'm wearing. "'I done my best,' I tells him, "'but it was those monkeys. "'They come by and ate your balls all up. "'And when I tell them off, then they peeled off my own little balls. "'I was so ashamed, I ran away. "'You a liar, Anansi,' said Tiger. "'I'm going to eat your liver.' But then he hears the monkeys coming down from their town to the watering hole. A dozen happy monkeys bopping down the path, clicking their fingers, and singing as loud as they could sing. And that's our page. The song here on the page is one of my favorite things in the novel, and it actually pops in my head every so often, especially if I see monkeys. I just can't help it. This Anansi story is not one that I've read elsewhere. I kind of poked around a bit, and it does seem that it was made up for the purposes of the story by Neil. He's really good at these kind of pastiche stories of well most types of folklore especially you see it in his short stories or in sandman um in short stories there's his lovecraftian pastiche uh, study in emerald which is also a sherlock holmes pastiche both slammed into one just really over the top really well done story it's definitely worth reading either the comic adaptation that came out a few months ago or the original short story itself if you haven't already the song in the story here fits in very well with a lot of the other Anansi stories that the uh, original mythos kind of laid the groundwork for up to this point, and it also fits really well to make some associations in our mind if we we're going to read Anansi Boys, which is kind of the companion story. Tiger in that book is the, well, I was going to say the antagonist, but he's kind of maybe the co-antagonist. In the song, they use testimonials as a stand-in for testicles, and it's not something that I've seen outside of the book here. But it's it it fits as a kind of obvious substi- obvious substitution as they both come from the same root word in Latin. Testimonial comes to English via Latin word testimonium, while we get testicles from testes, meaning a witness, which is kind of ridiculous. I I sort of poked around a bit to try and get to the bottom of exactly why testicles and witness go hand in hand, and supposedly. The understood meaning was a witness to virility, so they saw the boner, I guess. Language is a many-splendored thing, but this is just a whole thing unto itself that is wonderful and adorable. Adorable in the sense of I adore it, not cute, although it's kind of... no, it's not cute. If you go to ancient Greek, supposedly peristati was slang for both colleague and testicle, and I get that. There's two of them, typically, but if you have zero or one, three, four, you have my support as well. It could also come to English via Greek from testa, meaning either pot or shell, which also fits. But all this is to say that I don't really have a whole lot to talk about on the page other than this. A little bit more detail here, but a majority of this episode is going to be dedicated almost entirely to testicles, and I never thought I'd be able to say that. Monkey, referred here as Old Monkey, is another... I'm trying to figure out the the term, and I I honestly have spent almost two weeks trying to figure out what the term is, and I don't think I'm hitting the right Google search terms and someone can... Please come along and correct me. But it's almost like a platonic ideal. There's the monkeys and the tigers and the other creatures in the real world. But in the Anansi stories, these are kind of like the the proto-versions of tigers and monkeys. This is the original monkey and the original tiger from which all monkeys and tigers are descended. They're the ideal version of the real-world iterations of these creatures. In many of the stories, there's Monkey himself... But then there's also monkeys, so I think it's also kind of a take on this is the monkey god, and then these other monkeys are just the monkeys descended from him, maybe demi-monkeys or something like that. It's also similar to how TV shows seem to work in Paw Patrol, which is my four-year-old's favorite thing at the moment. There's talking dogs, which I presume are some sort of genetically modified dog, but there's also other animals that don't talk. There's monkeys and cats and... I'm trying to think if there's any actual dogs that don't talk. Huh. I guess I haven't watched enough to understand the full lore of Paw Patrol, but I have a whole rant here that is part of a different podcast, so I guess I'll just leave it at that. What I mean to say is that even though there are, there is a monkey, it doesn't preclude the story from containing other monkeys with a lowercase m monkey. And in some of the Nazi stories, he's got a wife and sh- possibly children, and it's not always clear if they're also spider creatures or if it's his human form that he sees them in there's there's a lot to think about here and i'm not quite sure i'm ready to think any more deeply about anything other than testicles which i do apologize for that it is funny to imagine though a giant angry tiger with tiny spider balls i'm wondering if there's a deviant art page for that hmm Tiger has dealt with Anansi before and thus at the end of the page calls him a liar. Despite this, he still decided to trust Anansi to watch his balls while he went swimming. Also, why would you take your balls off when you go swimming? I don't understand that bit either. But there is a lot of foreshadowing here in the story for what we can expect from the gods. There's a lot of people who deal with Anansi or in the case of the novel Wednesday, who know that he's a con man and a liar and that eventually things don't always go well for people who associate with him, and yet he presents his case in such a way that people can't really resist going along with the madness that happens. So we can think about that a little more, but certainly as Shadow met Wednesday, he was introduced as a liar and a con man, and even from Jack's Crocodile Bar, where things... Certainly wouldn't have seemed normal or right. Shadow decided to work with him and has stayed employed with him even after he's got a giant Eastern European man who wants to crush his skull. So I think that just goes to show that Wednesday is a bit more trustworthy, or maybe seemingly trustworthy, than we as the reader see him. Nancy and Wednesday are both known to be tricksters or liars or hide their true faces and. So it's just one of those things that we really need to consider is that we see a lot of classic Norse tales or Nazi tales where everybody knows the business of what's going on and everyone still trusts these characters because, well, they're the main characters of the stories and it just isn't any fun if you can't trust them a little bit. In Shadow's case, though, I think it's pretty clear that he's looking for something to distract him from Laura's death and... The affair she had with Robbie that led to her death. Anything's better than just hanging around Eagle Point waiting to die, or hanging around Chicago waiting to die, or hanging around anywhere waiting to die. And I know I've touched upon this before a bit when talking about Shadow's depression and his grief, but he eats because starvation is a hell of a way to die. And he goes along with Wednesday for similar reasons. It's not that he thinks it's going to be good for him or that he's going to have some life changing experience, it's because the alternative is just to give up entirely and stop and it's a very very slow way to die none of shadow's actions though really ring false to me i feel like he's in a a bit of a haze the grief and the depression and everything else has kind of moved him along but not much more than that i've known deeply depressed people in my life that are far more outgoing than i've ever been too so i do see reflections of shadow's depression in my own and it's, I think, one of the reasons why I take to him as a protagonist. But I guess I'm getting a bit off course here. So you can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com worldbeyondpodcast. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.